0: To help resolve their
1: ED. And we're talking about imposter syndrome. Do I really know what I'm doing in the bedroom? Imposter syndrome, just give us a refresher on what it is.
0: Uh, So, imposter syndrome, uh, again, not necessarily an overly clinical term, but um, it Mm -hmm. certainly is a good descriptor of, I think, what many people experience in uh, various aspects of their lives I think imposter syndrome really comes in in multiple forms, um, and we certainly see this in in multiple settings. Imposter syndrome can be a genuine feeling in the sense that a person can feel like a, 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 and be accurate that they are in a situation which is a little bit out of their league. Hmm. Um, but generally, we wouldn't call that imposter syndrome it really is just an imposter (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: um
0: but imposter syndrome uh most commonly i think is felt when a person is in a uh, situation or position that they are uh qualified for um by by whatever definition that may be um but their assessment of themselves is that they are not like quite who they say they are Um, i think many people experience this in a professional realm um and other people experience this in an interpersonal realm, um, uh, but it is a very common experience.
1: So let's tie it back to the bedroom here. Um, can imposter syndrome be a root cause of erectile dysfunction? You know, unsatisfying sexual encounters. I mean, if if a man is or whomever is having the thoughts. Ruminate in their head that I don't really know what I'm doing here. I'm just winging it, you know, or something like that. Um, and of course, pornography can play a role in that too because you're so used to maybe watching professionals do what they do on camera. And does all of this factor into imposter syndrome and possible erectile dysfunction being the result?
0: I think it's a really complex question. Certainly, when we're going to link this to erectile dysfunction. Um, I think what most people who are having what they call imposter syndrome are experiencing is that the results are better than they would expect of themselves. Mm. So, they have achieved a certain professional status, um, and, uh, the results that they're getting are pretty good, but they're not sure why, or they don't know if they can replicate it. Um, they feel oh, like, yeah. like they kind of got lucky. So, I think where yeah. imposter syndrome would probably manifest itself most clearly is if things are actually going well mm-hmm. in the bedroom. And uh, where one, one guy will take that as a sign that they should be confident or a sign that they're doing great, another guy who's, let's say, less secure. In, in what he's bringing to the table will translate it as, oh gosh, I hope I didn't set the bar too high because I don't think I can replicate this or yeah. I don't know how I did this. So I think it's the kind of thing that could lead to an eventual psychogenic erectile dysfunction. Uh, but I think at the stage of imposter syndrome, uh, th- I would imagine things are probably going decently to to okay. Um, mm-hmm. I think where this might present itself in a way that leaves a, a pronounced psychological impact is, uh, like we've spoken about, partners can really range on a large spectrum. And if a uh, guy who is not feeling overly confident is ends up being with a very responsive partner, um, he may experience imposter syndrome uh, worrying that like he doesn't know why it's happening or what he's doing or if he's doing something. Yeah. Um, and will he ever be able to repeat or replicate this?
1: That, that makes sense. Um, so, do you see a lot of men come into your office as a certified sex therapist dealing with this issue?
0: Um, I really don't um, because, uh, again, most of the men that I see, things are not going very okay. well. Yeah. Um, I, I think it does come up from time to time. Um, I think there are some men that, again, I don't think I necessarily think on the terms of imposter syndrome as much as I probably would categorize that as a self-confidence issue, which oh, okay. I think one could just make that argument that it's it really is uh, very similar, if not the same. Um, I, I think over the years I've seen a number of men who their assessment of self, which is actually objectively going fine, yeah. um, is not quite so accurate. And they they believe that the times that, that things are going well is because they got lucky and it's inexplicable. Um, and the times that things are not going well is because that's really who they are. Um, and I think that that, that probably um, connects with and aligns with imposter syndrome.
1: How do you grow out of imposter syndrome? Does it ever go away?
0: That's an interesting question. And again, I think that's really going to depend person to person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, that as you probably imagine, there are people that have gotten to – I go back to career because I think it's one of the most common sure. expression of imposter syndrome. I think there are people that have gotten to advanced stages in their career. Um, and you know, unfortunately, as they uh, progress in their career – Um, Just as they've grown into the position that they were in, they get promoted, understandably. And with that promotion comes like a resurgence of that self-doubt process, that Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome, which is I was finally getting to a place where I I thought I was uh, great with, uh, uh, you know, middle management. And now uh, I'm being promoted to the next tier. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not good enough for that. And then as they are working through imposter syndrome there and just getting comfortable, they climb the ladder further. So, I think there are some people that will uh, continue to experience this like um, re-activation of uh, imposter syndrome. Um, While I think other people will kind of find a place uh, where they are comfortable. Um, You know, I, I will... I guess be a little bit vulnerable here on this, Mm -hmm. on this episode. And I will just make mention that as a therapist, the first time you sit with somebody, you got a lot of information. Um, and it sounds really good and you've practiced your skills, um, on, you know, other, other people who are not, um, actually experiencing the problem that they're presenting. You're doing role play and these types of things. Mm -hmm. Um, there is an element, I think, of imposter syndrome that many people feel just at the beginning of anything that they're doing. I know that I felt that a little bit, you know, at the beginning of, uh, of my career, certainly sure. as a sure. graduate sure. student. Um, and I think that's that's normal and natural. And I do think that many people do um, grow out of it. Um, I will say, when well, we're kind of bringing all of that back around to the sexual realm, um, the men who are going to experience imposter syndrome are the ones who who happen to have experiences that go relatively flawless, so to speak, sure. um, and that's rare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, most men, I would say, don't have the luxury of being able to experience imposter syndrome um, because the nerves around those initial experiences, whether it's with... Um, erection issues or more commonly I think in younger men is premature ejaculation when they're um, starting to get their sexual selves established um, would preclude imposter syndrome because they actually are showing up in ways that they expect.
1: And how does the role of media and pornography impact sexual imposter syndrome? We talked about it a little bit in the beginning of this podcast, but does it does it play a role?
0: So, um, I think it it... it plays a role to those people who are susceptible to uh, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, So, again, there's a number of overlapping concepts here. So, we were mentioning before, imposter syndrome probably has to do with um, self-confidence, which I think a lot of times a way to look at that is the gap between um, what your expectations of yourself are and what your current stance or status is in life and i think pornography can help drive that gap even further Um, so i think that there probably is a role that pornography can play Mm -hmm. certainly for people who like we've mentioned on this podcast before if people view pornography as a uh, source of information yeah and they don't view it as a source of entertainment Mm -hmm. um, it certainly can help to drive up expectations Um, i also want to just make mention and again this is probably a larger topic as uh much as people can try to view it as entertainment it's hard to not internalize some of what you consume yeah. and let that impact the way that you think it's very very challenging um, so i want to acknowledge that it's not as simple as well i just know it's a pure form of entertainment um i think many people have insecurities many people do experience some form of imposter syndrome some gaps in self-confidence And some of the things that they view um, or hear about or read about or even see, not even necessarily in pornography, even in, um, you know, regular television um, and media, I think that can drive um, some of that imposter syndrome and some of that uh, gap in self-confidence.
1: I think an important takeaway for our listeners on today's episode, and I'll let you verify this or, or shut it down, but I was thinking... Imposter syndrome is normal and natural. So, if you're dealing with it in really any aspect of life, it's almost a part of the human experience and just being aware that it's something that we're all dealing with might be helpful.
0: I would tend to agree with that. Um, I I think when people don't feel imposter syndrome, that can also be an indicator of, I think you're a little bit too comfortable. Yeah. um, Because you really to a certain extent don't know what you're doing Mm -hmm. um but you have a title Mm -hmm. um so i I would tend to agree with that that i think imposter syndrome um certainly at, at certain stages of life is is normal and it's to be expected um because you are oftentimes thrown into things in life that um only life experience can prepare you for. Mm-hmm. So the first time you're doing things, it makes sense to feel a certain element of imposter syndrome. I think it's it's a matter of grappling with that reality mm-hmm. much more than it is trying to eliminate it. I'll just conclude that that when we talk about problematic imposter syndrome, it's most often when it's like a sustained type of feeling. Okay. Much more than, you know, feeling a certain element of imposter syndrome. Um, at the onset or at the beginning of uh, new experiences and new um, life stages.
1: If you listen to this podcast regularly, you know there is a huge mental component that goes into achieving an erection. Mark Goldberg, the certified sex therapist who hosts this podcast, felt as though this was a very underserved topic of education in men's health. That's why he designed Beyond the Little Blue Pill, The Thinking Man's Guide to Addressing ED. The course is designed to educate and fundamentally help you change the way you think about erections. Check it out at erectioniq.com front slash course. You can explore three modules of this course completely free. See if there's something in there that can help you. erectioniq.com slash course and you can learn more there.
0: Thanks for listening to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. For more information on today's topic and understanding how the mind impacts erectile dysfunction, please visit erectioniq.com.